Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia, and it's the first show of 2023. We're ready to kick it off and start going and talk about everything that's gone on in the world, make some sense of all of the different news items that you see, break through the propaganda. And it is obviously a new year. Alan's not with us right now. He may be able to check in a little bit later in the program, and we'll check it out there, obviously, when he comes and says hello to everybody. But it is the first show of 2023. It is a new year. Did a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of, but did some traveling over the time. Um, honestly, I don't know about everybody else. Maybe this is a dumb thing to bring up and a dumb thing to talk about, but like, I kind of forgot that it was new year. And unless you're going to like a party with friends or hanging out, which is always a really great thing. It's always good to have an excuse to have like a barbecue or some sort of party you're gathering with your friends. But like uh, we were traveling at the time. And so not only did we forget that it was New Year's Eve, but uh, we were playing a game with the kids. And then we heard people in the hotel room next door count down. And the reason why I bring it up is what's the thing that everybody does for New Year's, if you're not hanging out at a party or something, well, it's people would watch the ball drop. And I was bringing this up to Alan on the uh, on our show prep call last night. And it's just that I have absolutely no wish or want to watch, you know, like New Year's Rock and Eve or anything like that, because what's it going to be? It's going to be a whole bunch of coastal elites whining and belly aching about whatever they want. It's it's going to be propaganda. And when we talk about this one, it's we talk about like movies or we talk about television or anything like that. I feel like I'm consistently the jerk in the room because so much of American media at this point is just absolutely unwatchable. It's so noticeable the amount of propaganda that they're trying to shove at people, the amount of opinions that Hollywood wants the regular Joe to have, that it just gets absolutely infuriating. And I just can't do it. I simply can't. Now, it looks like Alan's been able to join us all the way from probably rainy Seattle. So hi, Alan. How are you this morning? Doing great. Sorry, a little bit uh, technical issue on my end, but everything is fine now and we're all set. It's a new year. Why wouldn't there be technical issues? So, um, how was your new year? You uh, you said you went to bed early. <laughs> so, what was your new year like? Uh, it was it was very uh, nondescript. I went to bed early. I was I I don't know. Got some kind of I don't know flu or sickness or something from all the travel and running around an airport. So, I decided I was. Just going to ring in the new year by going to bed early. I always feel gross after traveling. Now, it depends on what it is. Like, if I fly, I definitely feel disgusting. Um, and I'm not, like, I'm not a germaphobe by any measure. Um, but I still feel gross. Um, 
but definitely. Yeah, exactly. So what I was just talking about, what I was bringing the audience up to speed on is the fact that television is basically unwatchable because of the amount of just ham fisting propaganda at people at this point, like American audiences are so exposed to nonsense. And I, I think it's like, it's a meme, but there's a lot of truth to it, right? Is it's like every new Netflix special or Hulu original or, you know, network television new show is always, you know, here's how the transgender disabled black woman made it in this law firm. Exactly. That seems, yeah, that seems to be the case. And it, it, it it's at a point where I feel like the lines of Hollywood have bled into reality. It's almost like group. I'm not actually saying that this is true. So bear with me. I don't want everyone creating weird conspiracy theories, but it's almost as if there's a group of really bad Hollywood script writers that are currently writing the current events pages of every major newspaper. And I think a really good example of this is we've been tracking uh, meatpacking plants that have been randomly getting attacked. And then there were power substations that were getting attacked. We talked about it about a month ago and we were discussing how strange it is that these power substations were being attacked. And then in your own backyard, not too long ago, Alan, there were like three power substations that were randomly attacked. Like locks were broken on gates. And then there was basically vandalism caused that caused the power substations to go down. And you shared an article with me that clarified what happened and supposedly it was criminal like two guys that were knocking down three substations for a heist of a cash register yeah so it was in the in tacoma which is for those of you don't know it's kind of the greater seattle metropolitan area it's just yet another big very populous city um right kind of in the greater Seattle area. People would say Tacoma is not part of Seattle. I would say it's basically unbroken city and suburbs, like a lot of places. Anyway, huge city, huge city. And apparently these two guys over the course of a day, a couple hours, knocked out three power substations, basically blacking out a huge chunk of the city. And the goal apparently was to just rob some business. So that's very strange. No idea what, I mean, I, I have no, as much as I want it to be some sort of weird, crazy conspiracy of, I don't know, eco-terrorists angry at fossil fuels. It just seems like just some guys wanted to do a heist. It sounds like a bad movie. Doesn't it? It just sounds like bad. It's, it's bad script writing. It's that scene in Boondock Saints where he's like, I've seen this. This is in bad movies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, it's that it's annoying. Like, like I said, I'm not I'm not suggesting it's a conspiracy. It's just there's certain points where it's like it really does feel like bad movies and nothing highlights the everything's a bad movie. And I've made references to this a lot. I need to like rewatch the movie because I reference it so much on this program, but it's the movie Wag the mm-hmm. Dog. And uh, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen it, but the, the baseline of the movie is um, it's a re-election for a president and they get a Hollywood producer on board to basically fake a war to get the president re-elected. 
and they just use modern television and modern media to fake this war. Um, and it's, it's a crazy, it's a really fun movie. It's older. I can't remember when it was released. Doesn't really matter. Um, but hell of a lot of fun because this whole idea of it's, it's the wacky Washington people trying to fake a war to get the president reelected. But then the problem is, is that all of these things go wrong and they have to try to adjust fire and do it, uh, to, to keep, basically keep the lie going. And that's the entire thing behind, uh, you know, wag the dog. Well, I watched that and we look at everything that goes on with like, say Ukraine, and we're going to get into the whole battle for the speakership and everything a little bit later in the program. But as soon as Kevin McCarthy was, you know, finally voted in as speaker of the house, there's a tweet from Zelensky that comes out where he congratulates Kevin McCarthy on winning speaker of the house. And of course, because, you know, Zelensky can't not do this. He has to bring up US aid to Ukraine because the guy literally can't <clears throat> seem to open his mouth without bringing up the fact that tons and tons and tons, well, billions of US tax dollars, hundreds of billions of US tax dollars are flowing into Ukraine. We're basically supporting the entire country. Yeah, pretty weird. Why are we doing that? What's the and, benefit to US taxpayers? Hard yeah, to, hard to know. And there's going to be all of these, you know, like, let, let's take the emotion out of it of, oh, but democracy. First of all, name one law that you know in Ukraine to tell me that it's really a solid democracy. Um, but the, the other side of it is it's just the the amount of emotional manipulation, the people that are flying Ukrainian flags that, you know, uh, last year wouldn't have been able to point it out on a map. The amount of people that, you know, sit there and get emotional and talk about the the poor suffering of the Ukrainian people who have zero idea that they've been undergoing a hot, very hostile civil war for years leading up to this. It's just I know we've we've talked a lot of this subject to death, but it is one of the prime examples. It's the whole current thing mentality. And since we're going into a new year, you know, I have to ask myself, what's going to be the next current thing? Because people are getting kind of, they're they're bored with Ukraine. I mean, right. it, it's been February, it'll be a year. They're going to be bored with it. They're going to need a new current thing. And I'm just now uh, going, when I was going through Twitter this morning, just to see what new updates are. Oh, guys, brace yourselves. There's a new COVID variant. You got to oh go get, gosh. you've got to go get your, your like 18th booster, everybody. There's a new COVID variant and it's super deadly. I, I just can't take any of this seriously anymore, which is really strange because it's it is a very strange state of strange fate. Pardon me. It's a very strange uh, state of affairs that I know that I'm being lied to mm-hmm. from things that I'm supposed to supposed to trust and. I don't know what to, it's hard to know what to do with that information, really. Well, and the, the more strange part that I think I would point out that that should give people some hope is the fact that we, we know they're lying and they know we know they're lying. (laughs) Right. Has, has basically made them very brazen. I mean, we saw a lot of stuff heading, uh, you know, right at the tail end of 2022, we saw Twitter files, right? We saw a lot of governments and a lot of 
uh, pressure basically being applied on social media that we know is being applied to other social media companies. Um, you know, a lot, the, the biggest fear that the deep state appears to have is the ability for Americans to talk amongst each other and tell each other what is actually going on that isn't being filtered through some sort of governmental program and isn't being approved by the regime. And I can't stress this. I know a lot of people are paying attention to this. I know a ton of people on our side of the aisle are very concerned about propaganda that's being fed to the American people. But I don't know whether or not the regular uninformed, let's say, or low information citizen truly understands the absolute insanity that is the information spectrum in the United States right now. Your government wants to control what you know. If you said that to any American 10 years ago, if you said the United States government wants to control what you know, number one, they would they would act like you were insane. But if you ask them the question, is it okay for the United States government to control what you know, what you're allowed to read, they would say, no, that's insane. That's exactly why we have a First Amendment. Are you kidding me? But Exactly, yeah. Through the emotional manipulation, the current thing nonsense, and, and basically turning people into these dopamine fiends via social media, they've, they literally convinced the same group of people who were worried about the Patriot Act, who were worried about big pharma, who were concerned about governmental overreach in private citizens' affairs. Those exact same people became the biggest cheerleaders for a giant censorious government that's being run basically by intelligence agencies. In my lifetime, I remember friends of mine who during the initial pushes into Iraq and Afghanistan, who were the most concerned about abuses of government and the intelligence community are now the biggest cheerleaders for basically CIA written narratives. And they do this with like no question. It's like, I have to literally when talking to these people, I have to be like, but you hated these people. You hated these groups. How are you suddenly okay with this? How do you, I shouldn't have to be convincing you that this is bad. I should have to convince my own side who supported things like the Patriot Act. Right. It's, the it's weirdest. a very strange, isn't it a strange, a strange state of affairs? Oh my gosh. Like, it's just, it's incredible. But I don't know. I just, I simply don't know. I, 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 I get it. I mean, this does boil down to liberals are dumb and easily tricked. I get that, but the whole thing is, do we have any idea? Do we have any concept what might be next? What do we, what do we think the next current thing is going to be? We didn't do any prep for this. I just wonder. Well, I mean, it's hard to know. We have Ukraine. Mm -hmm. They seem like they, somebody wants to keep pressuring people with COVID fear mongering, which I just can't imagine working. <laughs> well, there's anymore. a lot of money to be made. There so know. is. And I think honestly for, I mean, COVID and vaccines, there, there's so much money 
that people stand to lose if the truth of all that comes out that I think they're never going to let that one that one go. Well, it's, it's, see, it, but, I mean, not not even being sarcastic here. It's a new fiscal year. All the money that Pfizer and Moderna and all these other groups made, that was all last year money. Now it's new. Now it's a new year. They need to still make a profit. Like everything that they did in the last year doesn't count. It's now about making more. They have to increase that percentage. That's that's how these publicly held businesses work. You have to increase the percentage. So of course, a new COVID variant. Right. Well, it's a brand new year. Let's let's get that uh, let's get that profit percentage taken care of in the first quarter, and then we can skate through the rest of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I. <laughs> I work in business. I know how these things operate and it's a new fiscal year. There are targets to be met. So why scare people with some new COVID variant? Exactly. You now it's going to come get you everyone, even though it, it, that's the, I still, still, Alan, I still don't know a single person who is hospitalized, let alone died from the coronavirus. Still don't. Uh, I think you're, I think a lot of people also don't really know anybody that was laid low, that was killed, that was that's died. And it's hard because a lot of these numbers have been faked. A lot of people were told they died, like we were told a lot of people died of COVID when it's a lot of it is very dubious. Anybody that died in a hospital that tested positive for COVID was counted as a COVID death. We know for certain that there was a lot of people that were counted as COVID deaths by various hospitals that were died of things like a car accident, but because mm -hmm. their corpse tested positive, well, that's a COVID death. Now, the problem is we don't know what the actual reality is. And the thing is, there's, there is, was, is clearly a effort to obfuscate the reality of COVID, the reality the, the, to, um, to basically scare people that it's hard to take any of it seriously anymore. But I definitely feel like because there was this effort to deceive people, it means that somebody was lying and it clearly is not what, like we were told something about COVID and it's not true. There's something about COVID that's definitely not true. Right. Especially because it's the, you know, don't look into it. <laughs> exactly exactly the whole effort of don't look into it don't don't it's like no one's allowed to to look into this by the way we're going to what was it 75 years or something that they wanted to keep all of the testing data secret it's like right. i don't know that just seems so sketchy i i can be forgiven for being a little bit skeptical of all of it now, according to H.D. Cynical, he thinks that the new current thing is going to be that the FBI is going to create a new terrorist group. Um, this is what's interesting is some of the concessions that came out of the speaker battle is the formation of basically like a new church committee, a committee that's going to look into the involvement of the intelligence community and the FBI and all these other groups and their violations of the rights of American citizens. Now, it's just an investigative committee. I don't want anyone to think too much. Uh, and, and we'll get into the actual dynamics of Washington, D.C., you know, 2023 with the new Congress. But um, anytime that anyone starts looking under the hood of the CIA or the FBI, people get killed 
Congress members get impeached and lots and lots and lots of bad information seems to come out for anyone who wants to look into these organizations. Going back theme of everything is scripted like a bad movie. Um, there's a lot of movies about stuff like that, but there's also a lot of realities of things like that. Now, maybe they're not connected. You know, maybe, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, but there has been some discussion. I know that like Tucker Carlson's picked it up, but several other people have discussed things like the assassination of JFK and the fact that he wanted to get rid of the CIA. Similarly, Nixon wanted to gut the FBI right before uh, water the Watergate scandal broke and Deep Throat, the guy who was the informant, was involved with the FBI. So it stands to reason that the real people that are in power in Washington, D.C. are the intelligence community. And yeah. that that's who actually gets to pull the strings. They get to, they can destroy presidents. They can destroy members of Congress. They certainly can destroy American citizens as we still see uh, with all the people that are in the DC gulag because of January 6th. Exactly. And it is interesting. The more you look in, into a lot of the, a lot of the, these sort of things, you come to have to come to the conclusion that somebody is basically using the U.S. government intelligence agencies, agencies, et cetera, to pursue a set of goals that are not at all what the American people want to vote for. Like this idea of a deep state. Well, it absolutely is real. And unfortunately, it's because they it is essentially unaccountable. Because they have the veneer of national security, you can't, nobody really, really can look under the hood, or at least they can't. Essentially, it's foxes watching the hen house. And that makes it a very difficult thing to pull the curtain back on to look at what's going on behind the scenes because the it's like everybody's colluding together to make sure that nobody, even probably a lot of congressmen and senators, stay ignorant of what actually happens behind the scenes. And it's only when people confront this do, do you see things like, oh, yeah, if you look into how we're spending all the money in Ukraine, uh, that'll be real bad for you. And then I think a lot of people that could do something about this quickly go, oh, you know, this is not worth uh, this is not worth it Too many people. Too many powerful people are making money off of this. I'm just going to focus on something else. Now, just to <clears throat> clarify a little bit, the. Uh... The person who went by the pseudonym Deep Throat, which was the informant to Bob Woodward uh, for the Watergate scandal, was Mark Felt. Or sorry, Will Felt. Jeez. Okay. Mark Felt. His name is William Mark Felt Sr. Okay, gosh. What a mess. Hmm. Mark Felt, who was the associate director of the FBI when Richard Nixon was in office. And if I'm not mistaken... uh. If I'm not mistaken, Nixon wanted to get rid of Felt because he was a Hoover guy. Ah. Um, you know, so because Hoover died in 1972 and Nixon appointed L. Patrick Gray as the acting FBI director and there were resignations that were submitted 
and felt had succeeded and became the associate director, which is basically the number two. Um, but there's a lot of discussion about the fact that Nixon wanted to get rid of all of the Hoover guys, because for those who don't know, like J. Edgar Hoover was super corrupt. He kept dossiers on Congress members and members of the executive branch and would specifically use those dossiers. Like he had FBI men actually collecting on politicians. So J. Edgar Hoover could go to them and basically say, you're going to play ball or I am going to release this information about you. Right. He was so essentially he acting as acting mm -hmm. as the power behind the throne. Yeah. And he like used blackmail, you know, and extortion. Yeah. Um, to get his way. And, and the question is, do you, does anybody actually think that that has completely stopped? Sure. You got rid of Hoover, but the ability for there to be an unelected group of intelligence agencies manipulating the outcome of manipulating the actions of congressmen and senators. Well, yeah. And why not a president? Why not any of it? It's all, especially because it's all hidden behind this layer of secrecy, secrecy, and they have the tools to do it, which is why you have to look at it, look at it and think, well, the potential is there for the United States intelligence agencies to be an unelected, basically secret branch of the government that is truly directing policy because it has a, the ability to influence anyone the to embarrass anyone to dig up anything political and what's to stop them from sharing all any of this stuff with the political enemies of people that don't want to play ball right and so it'll it'll be interesting since there's supposedly going to be this formation of a church committee in the new house of representatives it'll be fascinating to see like this is the this is the glass that you have to view a lot of this stuff through. How many, how many things are we about to see um, about politicians that are, you know, how, how many random leaks are going to occur or scandalous stories are going to come out about politicians that all seem to be on the wrong side of the FBI or, you know, other intelligence agencies. Seemingly anytime anybody wants to do any bit of accountability, of the deep state itself, uh, we have to hear this list of scandals about how terrible they are. Oh, it's a terrible person. They should resign. And at a certain point, it's just like, come on, like people naturally do pattern recognition in their brains. At what point, like, and like, like I've said before, the same people, the same people that were super concerned about the Patriot Act, of course, until Barack Obama became president, those same people, it really feels like they should be very concerned because not that long ago, they were very concerned about the weaponization of the intelligence community against American citizens. But here we are. Right. And I think that's what's very disheartening is the realization that all of these Americans that were so concerned about the Patriot Act actually were just kind of going along with whatever the current thing was for the media that day. And... I do think that that's, I think that that's the part that really aggravates the majority of like people in our audience or just, you know, people that are politically minded. Um, what aggravates them so much, like more than anything else is knowing that the majority of the arguments and debates and opinions and whatever that you have you know, conflicts of opinion, will say against people like at work or in your daily lives 
is knowing that those people are just spoon fed their opinion by comedians and trust fund journalists in New York City. Right. And then and Mm -hmm. that so many people will willingly change their perspective on things at the drop of a hat and not actually are not actually based on any serious principle at all. It's like just whatever they hear on NPR this week. Yeah. I mean, think about it. All of these people were anti-war. They would talk endlessly about how they were anti-war. All these wars are just for profit. Oh, it's just all awful. Blah, blah, blah. Wars for profit. The defense. What is it? The military-industrial complex and Halliburton. And then suddenly with uh, Ukraine, all of those people flip-flopped. And now there's not a single word to be said about all of these, the military industrial complex making millions off of war. Nope, nope, nope. It's a righteous cause to protecting democracy. And the fact that it, it makes you realize that so much, so many Americans don't actually know anything or care to know anything. They just support whatever the cultural zeitgeist makes them feel more moral, makes them yeah. feel superior or better than other people when it's when the media tells them you can be a better person than other people and you can lord it over everybody when you are anti-war look how good a person you are a lot of americans just go awesome i'm gonna do that and then when the same media completely flips overnight and just goes oh actually this war um anyone uh you will cheer cheer for this war you will uh feel a lovely pang pang of just satisfaction every time a you know russian gets killed by an american weapon system that you know raytheon has gloriously given to the ukrainians people went okay i guess i think that now it's kind of it's it's actually kind of scary because you think holy shit and this is the piece of the people that vote wait if if people can be that easily swayed to adopt a completely 180 opinion well, then what does that say about voting? What does that say about how people make up their minds on all sorts of other decisions? What does that say for the average decision-making ability of most Americans? Uh, it's not, it, it certainly does not fill me with hope and excitement that all of these people are, that I'm at, essentially at the whim of people that are this easily manipulated. Well, and that's, you know, that's a really good segue kind of into the one of the main topics for the show today, which is, it's not just regular American people that get manipulated like this. There's always been this weird opinion. And uh, more and more as we've been doing this show throughout the years, uh, I've come to realize that we put way too much credit into our elected representatives into thinking that they're somehow more informed um, Mm. than we are. And uh, there's so many examples that just proves that that's not the case. Like, (laughs) Like our audience is likely far more informed than the average American Congress member. Um, And what makes that super obvious is during the um, fight for the speakership. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So we watched the, the, the fight going on with, for the speaker of the house, which is where Kevin McCarthy basically, you know, crowned himself speaker of the house to the effect of moving all of his stuff into the, speaker's office before the vote had even been held. And then it at first was five holdouts. 
that we're not going to vote for him. And obviously, the Republicans have a very slim majority in the House of Representatives, so they need every vote. Um, but five didn't vote for him, and so he couldn't be named Speaker. Then that became 20. And then the numbers went back and forth, just depending on how it went. But the two, two of the primary uh, people that were standing against Kevin McCarthy were Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates, And they were just absolutely lambasted by the media, not just liberal media, but many conservatives were just, oh, my God, just vote for Kevin McCarthy. And I have to admit, the only thing that annoyed me throughout this entire process was the assumption that it was Kevin McCarthy's gavel. That just seems very divergent from how politics, conservative politics, right-wing politics is supposed to operate. You're not supposed, like, we don't crown people. That's the thing we hate about Democrats. We don't just assume seniority. That's the thing we hate about Democrats. We also don't demand that our party toes the party line and goes with the flow because that's what Democrats do. It's the thing we can't stand about them. Yet here we are right, watching Bruce. literally all of these Republicans in Washington, D.C., basically like putting their hands angrily on their hips and going, we need to do what the left does. But what showed me the path of propaganda and nonsense was the, the one thing that I wasn't the entire time watching this play out was embarrassed. I wasn't embarrassed. Why the hell would I be embarrassed? But what exactly. I kept hearing from the liberal media was how embarrassing it was. It's so embarrassing. Oh my God, how embarrassing is it? I wasn't embarrassed. I don't know a single reason why anyone would be embarrassed. What like this? It's a bunch of politicians fighting over political crap. Like it literally doesn't affect me. Why the hell would I even be embarrassed? Like I don't owe that kind of emotion to people in Washington, D.C. But then, of course, I start hearing it from conservatives. I start from, hearing people, from your just average conservative yeah. voter started repeating the line they heard on the news, which was it was almost as if it's like, oh, hey, there's a new software update. It is you're embarrassed about this thing. And people went, oh, OK, I guess I'm embarrassed about this. And then you you heard it repeated from your conservative friends. It's like, I'm embarrassed. They're like, you're not embarrassed. You were just yeah. told you should be embarrassed. And you agreed with that and said, well, OK, I guess I'm embarrassed now. But you can't none of them could actually articulate why they were embarrassed and to whom they were embarrassed. They just said, I was just told I should dislike this thing because it's embarrassing. Yeah. We, we, we asked people, we talked, we talked to people. We asked them, why are you embarrassed? Why is this? Well, it's just embarrassing. Why? Why do you feel that at all? Like, why, why do you care? Like, to be honest, this is procedural. And in fact, like, I don't know if you guys notice, they have a vote. Right. There's a reason why they have a vote. We don't right. crown a speaker. They have a vote. Also, so, this is just politics. There are multiple, as we have, as anyone who with a brain in their head should already notice, is that there are two sort of camps of the GOP. The MAGA side, the America First side, and the establishment Republicans. Those two groups are essentially fighting each other to see who's going to be the dominant party going forward. That is, I think, a lot of what this was about is the America First Republicans demanding that the establishment neocons make concessions that favor 
them and mm-hmm. said if basically said if we're going to oppose the democrats you need to give us some assurance that we can deliver something to our voters that our voters our america first voters want think of mm-hmm. someone like lauren bobert lauren bobert has been is was a staunch trump supporter and she received a huge amount of hate from gop people that were never trump Oh, of course, of course, she's going to stall what the never Trumpers want yeah. because the never Trumpers do not represent what her voters voted her to do, voted her in to do. So this is a regular, totally understandable political fight. And I am glad that it happened. I am glad that a bunch of America first Republicans dug in their heels and demanded compromises and assurances assurances and demanded something of the other anti-Trump Republicans saying, no, you need to give us a thing that our voters want. And, you know, if you do that, we'll support Kevin McCarthy, but they just didn't blindly do it. They demanded some kind of compromise. And that's exactly what I want to see from America first Republicans. It's weird. It's almost like the elected representatives wanted to represent the people that elected them right because all of this assumes (laughs) that the gop is this unified block when that's absolutely not true because we can we complain about it all the time i saw it a ton under trump i see it now of the america first republicans and the neocon republicans and it's almost you need to get that in order before you can actually oppose the left we can say they have a slight advantage here and there, but the reality is they kind of don't because they, the GOP is split between neocons and America first. Well, and, 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 you know, like that's okay. What's interesting is like, you know, Trump went along with McCarthy, you know, sure. reasons why, who the hell knows. I do know one thing is Trump is actually very susceptible. Um, I've said it before, as much as we really like that he knows what's going on in the media and in current events and like is able to post things that slap back at stuff that we're also reading. That's super cool, but it also makes him very susceptible to probably hearing stuff about how embarrassing it is and maybe being concerned about that. Like he is as susceptible to the media as a lot of other people are. Doesn't really matter. And honestly, at the end of the day, the whole Kevin McCarthy thing doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not, um, I don't like the guy to be completely fair. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of policies that I've seen come out of him and a lot of stuff that he has said, but at the same time, um, I'm not an idiot. Uh, it's just at this point right now, there are, there is not a large block of politicians that I'm so hundred percent in favor for. Um, and I don't think there ever will be. I don't think that, I don't think it was designed to be this way. Um, that I'm going to be super excited over like a speaker of the house. There might be some people made speaker of the house that I'm like, oh man, that's, that's really, that's way better. It's the best it could be. Um, and it's just, none of those people were running. It's just how it is at the end of the day though. Um, this battle should have happened. It was good that it happened. The concessions hopefully are held to. Let's be honest, because there is a little bit of that, but some of the concessions that were put out there is they lowered the threshold of vote to recall the Speaker of the House, which means that Kevin McCarthy has to play nice. Because if he doesn't play nice, um, it takes like a person to start a recall vote. And if he pisses people off, great. 
oh no, like that's not a bad thing. They no, also good. gave a lot of power back to the House Appropriations. That's a good thing. Because yeah, so, that means that your elected representatives are going to be more have more control over the budget, which was the way that it was designed in the first place. Exactly. So I'm, uh, I was actually very, I was very happy with this whole thing because it proved to me that somebody on Capitol Hill actually has a backbone to stand up for what their voters voted them in for, and that's yeah. a good turn of events. And I hope that this is a indicator of the future of the GOP trying basically as instead of just letting the neocons run the party there seems to be enough support for america first republicans that they are starting to assert themselves and demand and demand their agenda be considered and that is what i think we all really really want that is the future of america depends on that becoming more mainstream and the fact that people are willing to basically risk their careers to support it shows that they feel confident that their voters will keep voting them in power if they pursue that agenda like well like i could like for example again i'll, I'll use lauren Boebert because she's from colorado i know a number of people in colorado that uh voted for her and based on what they voted her for her what they voted for lauren Boebert for is exactly this. So the idea that Lauren Boebert hurt her career by opposing McCarthy is absolutely ridiculous. If anything, her voters are thrilled that this is what she did. I'm sure Matt Gates, I'm sure the people that voted him in are thrilled that he did that, that he pursued oh, yeah. this policy. I know people in Matt Gates's district that have just, they, I mean, this was what they voted for. It is 100% yeah. what they voted for. Fantastic. I, and I mean, I, I feel like in the future, what this sort of does, I mean, you could say maybe this whole thing was just a political stunt, but it sets the stage for people to take this same contentious attitude with the neocons and the Republican Party, and that is a benefit to their career rather than detriment. Right. And that means that people that maybe were on the fence of, ah, should I play nice with the neocons or should I, you know, be America first like my voters want, it essentially helps them make that choice to say, you know what, I can, I can, I have a whole, I, I'm not just one man against all the GOP, the neocon Republicans. I now have a power block that I can be part of, that I can actually feel secure pursuing these policies. And that's a great, that's a great thing. Because well, it, it, it's, it's sort of like we talk about with the free market. It gives competition to the neocons. So the neocons have to consider the America first agenda in people and moderate their message somewhat. As much as they want to, to send a trillion dollars to Ukraine, they have to deal with the American first people and give them some something like, you know, a chain link fence for a border wall or <laughs> deporting two illegals per year or something like that. They have to give <laughs> some kind of concession. Like how minimal you went. <laughs> hey, we're going to give rubber bands to Border Patrol to flick yeah, exactly. flick the leg any, of the, anything, the millions Anything of for the neocons to pursue any amount of America first is should be considered a win. Well, and, and you know, at the, at the same, you know, that same juncture is like it, one thing that people have to understand, and, and this isn't to, you know, take things away from it, but this battle was, is hilarious in one aspect, and that is, 
the Democrats own the Senate and the Democrats own the White House. So how effective you think a House majority GOP is going to be, let's let's just be honest here. It's not. And um, I think um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think that this proves something for me. We've talked a lot mm. about it and I've hinted towards it when we looked at the midterms. But look at how these people reacted to people like Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates when they were pushing back against voting for the Speaker of the House. Um, is there now any question in anyone's mind that the GOP establishment, the McCarthy's and the McConnell's and those people, um, well, I guess we'll just call them the Mick GOP, um, is there any question at this point after seeing the reactions from everyone uh, from the GOP establishment over these holdouts um, that likely we now know who was responsible for losing a lot of these uh, House and Senate races in the United States? Like, look at the way that Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert and some of these other holdouts were treated. Look at some of the statements that were made by other folks in the GOP establishment about them holding uh, this speaker vote up and tell me that we don't have pretty definitive evidence that that's the group of people that wanted to make sure certain people didn't get elected and didn't fight and didn't fund. Like, is this maybe yeah. why Adam Laxalt wasn't, uh, wasn't elected? Is Possibly. that why certain money wasn't, uh, wasn't donated to certain things? Because because what it sounds like to me is, uh, think about this for a second. There were 20 holdouts that held up the speaker fight. Well, what happens if you had several other, especially the very fierce uh, America for representatives in the House of Representatives? How likely is it that Kevin McCarthy would be the Speaker of the House today? It's a good question. I mean, you can't say that he didn't have that consideration when his super PAC was looking at who to fund for the House of Representatives. Because yeah. there's certainly, we already know, like, it, not, this wasn't that shocking. The idea of Matt Gates standing up against Kevin McCarthy was not that much of a shock. Same with Lauren Boebert. Um, it was equally as shocking to see that Marjorie Taylor Greene went along with him, but she kind of goes along with what Trump says. But the fact of the matter is, is it's like, well, wait a minute. Um, someone tell me, would Kevin McCarthy handicap people that wouldn't have voted for him for Speaker House if it possibly jeopardized his ability to get that gavel? I think the answer is clearly yes. Yeah. Dan Crenshaw, during this entire dust up over the vote, went on to a podcast and said that the 20 holdouts were, quote, the enemy and, quote, we can't let the terrorists win. Yeah. Has he ever said anything negative about, say, liberals? Or, you know, Black Lives Matter burning down America's cities and causing billions of property damage? No. No. Oh, no. It's the people that don't want to spend billions in Ukraine that are the enemy. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> That's like, like, what were they asking for? Like who, okay. Who were the, who are the terrorists? Uh, the people who wanted the, uh, ability to actually have teeth to the upcoming budget battle. Yeah. Because I, I want to remind everybody, um, 
we just had a continuing resolution that, you know, the, the omnibus, everybody talks about the omnibus bill. It was like $1.7 trillion that just got shoved through in the middle of the night. It was some obscene amount was like 1400 or I don't know, some obscene amount of pages um, that was submitted in the middle of the night. And it was to be voted on the very next day. Uh, And Oh my gosh, we have to vote on it right now. We had to vote on it right now or else the government would shut down because apparently that's a bad thing. Um, oh no <laughs> yeah oh god no the government can't spend my money um huge thing i i want everyone to understand something uh because it's uh very fascinating when you get to the bottom line truth of it in september is actually when the budget came up for those of you who don't know the end of the fiscal year for the united states government is october 1st The government's fiscal year does not run on the calendar year. October 1st is the first day of the new government fiscal year. So in September is actually when the government needed to have its budget submitted. Well, they approved their own extension to go until January. Well, yeah, to go basically until the end of December, early January, right? So they approved their own extension of a couple of months and then at the last minute submitted a $1,400. Oh no. Um, uh, Alan, can you vamp for me for a second, please? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yes, they submitted this enormous omnibus bill, which, hey, if that didn't go through, if that got held up, so much the better. Throw a wrench in all of these people's plans. I mean, half the government, as much as we want to talk about the GOP, half the government is still a bunch of left-wing morons that want to spend money on ridiculous things. And, I mean, honestly, if you looked at the budget, I'd say the vast majority of things the government is spending money on is nonsense that I don't want them to fund anyway. So good. The more this, the more wrenches get thrown into their plans, the better. Which is great. I mean, I, I increasingly don't like the fact that I have to pay taxes, especially when the Federal Reserve can just print money out of nowhere. It seems like a very silly state of affairs, if you ask me. So, like I said, I'm glad. I'm glad this happened. I'm glad this this these fights are being had rather than just being swept under the rug. I think we're in a very good position. Actually, there's a lot of promising things happening that this could just be the the tip of the iceberg for. Actual resistance to the neocons, promotion of the American first agenda. Those are all good things. And hopefully this is the start of a level of momentum to this that actually could bring about serious opposition to the left-wing domination of the United States. We have to get the neocons out because they are just happy to fleece America and bleed it dry while the left pursues a ridiculous agenda that everyone hates. So hopefully we can. Hopefully this is it. Hopefully this is the start of some sort of pushback. Now I think maybe the road's not absolutely free, and we're not absolutely free and clear. But I, I feel like this is a good sign. It's at least a good sign that these things are happening, and hopefully they continue. I hope Aaron's having having an okay time. It sounds like he had a had a big scary oh no moment. Anyway. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, 
it is the new year, so we'll see what happens with with this year. I know we've kind of touched on Ukraine. Uh, supposedly, there is a building Russian count winter offensive. We'll see what happens there. It's hard to know with certainty anything about the U- Ukraine because so much of it is seemingly dishonest. I can't really trust what the Russians say. I certainly can't trust what the U.S. media says. I definitely am not trusting what Zelensky says. And so uh, I think it's just hard to cheerlead for any side there, but that's okay. That's totally fine. And let's see, what else do we got? It's, it is a, let me check, let's just just check the notes. Oh, um, so there was uh, an interesting story we saw, and I think this is one that is, it sounds really bad in its face, but hopefully it is the marker of something good, is there was a father in Texas whose wife basically took their kids and fled to California with the intent on making the kids trans. And I think this is, this story is very alarming because California recently passed a bill that said that if that basically makes it a sanctuary state for people that want to trans their kids. And so even if the children are essentially there illegally, if children have been kidnapped and taken to California so they can be subjected to vile medical procedures, the state of California will go to bat and and prevent law enforcement from taking those kids out of the state of California. Uh, This father is now fighting this because he says that his wife has taken their children to California in order to was what is what she would call transitioning their child when reality is he's to chemist chemically castrate their son with puberty blockers this fight is I think only going to increase and there's only going to be more instances of this because as this nonsense transgender stuff is pushed more and more, you will inevitably see the legal systems of red and blue states fall in line with pursuing their own policies on it. Currently, blue states have basically said, we are going to be sanctuary cities for child abuse. And hopefully this pushes red states to adopt the opposite thing. I would love to see some red state like Texas put forth a counter bill that would basically be if your child is at risk of being chemically or surgically mutilated by a transgender by this you know transgender nonsense you can keep them in our state and we will protect them that's what i would like to see and i hope there and it feels like there is enough political will to get something like that done and situations like this father in texas i think are going to drive a lot of people to pursue and support those kind of actions. Okay. It is absolutely heartbreaking that this sort of thing happens. But unfortunately, we have let the rot take root so deep that it for, it will just cause a lot of heartbreak and sadness before we're able to correct these errors. And that's what I hope comes from that. So we'll be you're following talking that. about hmm? You're talking about the custody battle where... I mean, I, I, I couldn't hear what you said, but I'm assuming what you kind of got into was that 
basically a mom wants to have full custody of her kids. And so she's using this California law to make it to where her husband can't see his children by claiming that they're transgender and is now going to uh, make it basically illegal for him to get visiting rights because, you know, right. He doesn't want them to be transgender. And uh, there's now a law in California that makes it to where um, legal authorities can't extradite uh, him and basically can't give him the ability to see his children. Right. That, exactly. Like he has to literally fight law enforcement to see his kids. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry about that. I will tell a fun story real quick, not to break your line of thinking. And thanks for that. But uh, for those of you who can kind of hear a little bit of water in the background, I have a saltwater fish tank in my office here. Okay. And it makes some noise. And I was like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to tune the filter down. So it's not making all this crazy water noise in the background while I'm doing it. Oh. Well, that created a neg negative pressure event. Uh -oh. And uh, there seems to have been a puddle of water that I put my foot in and I look behind me and there's just gallons of salt water that is now drained from my oh. aquarium onto my floor. And it was like, oh, God, that's pretty funny. I mean, I have I'm sorry like, that happened, but that is kind of funny. I'm so mad about it. It's not bad. Nothing's going to be wrecked or anything like that. But it was just like, look over and there's just like a quarter of my saltwater tank is now low and there's a puddle on the floor. So it's like grab a bunch of towels, throw them down. I have the filter in a five gallon bucket for, you know, if something like, like this happens and it just filled up that bucket and started overflowing. So I was able to get it quickly, but it was just like, damn it. <laughs> That's pretty like, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my fish are just looking at me like I'm insane, but <clears throat> so that's what happened. Um, so oh, okay. for those of you who don't think I'm not taking the longest pee in the world behind me, uh, it's my saltwater tank. Ah, that dastardly saltwater tank. I don't even know if you can hear it, but because I can hear it, I worry that it would like, I, I worry that I'm going to get these messages that are like, what is that sound in the background? Oh, you know? So yeah. Anyway, um, beyond that, uh, no. So, what were we talking about, Alan, before I dove or what were you talking about? Because I don't want to go back to old subjects if you're already beyond them. Uh, well, I I was talking about the transgender stuff. I, I touched on Ukraine a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just kind of what's ahead. What's ahead in 2023? Well, yeah, and that's the, the whole thing is one of the bigger points that I want to really focus on here is the fact that there is like there's not a lot of power that's actually going to exist in the House of Representatives. There's not going to be a lot that the Republicans are going to be able to get done because there's a majority Democrat Senate and then there's obviously a Democrat in the White House. So it, it, like really, 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 really manage your expectations. Now, should the House like here? Here's the way I'm going to paint it. If the Democrats were in the House of Representatives and there was a Republican Senate and a Republican president, which we've seen, they would get a lot done. They would get a lot done. They would be super obstructionist all the time, and they'd be hailed as heroes for it the entire time they did it. Every liberal would talk about how they're defending democracy and how they're saving people's lives against the evil Republicans. And the media would make right. stars of all of them. You know, somebody would be sitting there, you know, uh, like filibustering in the Senate and all this other stuff would happen that would absolutely obstruct the agenda 
of a of a Republican Senate and a Republican president. It would 100% happen if the if the shoe was on the other foot. What leads me to believe that nothing's going to happen when it's the Republicans in control of the House of Repre- House of Representatives is exactly what we saw in the speaker battle. We I don't remember the guy's name and I'm very sorry for forgetting it, but we literally saw a Republican charge at Matt Gates because he refused to vote for Kevin McCarthy. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, probably because NPR said it was so embarrassing. And that's why I know that the Republican Party will be completely toothless for the next couple of years, because the minute that somebody tries to obstruct something to make sure some progressive measure doesn't go to make sure another trillion dollars doesn't go of your money doesn't go to Ukraine to pay off a bunch of uh, corrupt oligarchs or to make sure that a bunch of CRT doesn't get like shoved into your schools and whatever, the minute anyone tries to obstruct it, NPR will say how embarrassing it is, and half of the Republican Party will fold like a cheap suit. Unfortunately, you're probably correct. I mean, that is their MO, as it, is, as it were. Yeah, because and, and that's the whole thing. They're pussies. I don't know a better way to say it. They're absolute cowards and pussies. The fact that the, the Democrat Party, can, like, They could literally obstruct everything and they'd be hailed as heroes for some reason, for some God awful reason. All of these idiot Republicans can't get it through their head that you're not going to win. They're going to call you names no matter what. So just do what the hell's right. Do what your voters want. Who like damn the people who whine about it. Who cares? Who gives a damn? about what the liberal media says. They hate you anyway. Dan Crenshaw, they're going to call you a Nazi, bro. It's going to happen. They're going to call you a Nazi. They hate you. Yeah, this is why I, again, the conspiratorial part of me feels like he has to know that. And the goal is not to further the interests of the United States. The goal is not to be be good at government. The goal is to satisfy his donors. And his donors are not people that care about the United States, that they don't care about Ukraine. They they care about making a lot of money. I mean, he's just like John McCain in this regard is the goal seems to be stoke a bunch of wars, spend a bunch of money, use the United States foreign policy to rule the world. That's the real goal. And the pesky needs of the American people just get in the way of that goal. Right. No, it, it, yeah, and and that's exactly it. Is it's like, I I. You have your two choices here. Choice number one is they're extremely corrupt. They're only doing what their donors want, and the American people be damned. And choice number two is they are so ignorant and stupid that they literally can't see that they're being played by the mainstream media who hates them and wants them dead. Neither of those mm-hmm. are good prospects. One of them at least makes them intelligent. Right. But I can't promise you that they are intelligent. (laughs) That's the thing is you can't, there's no guarantee that any of this is actually being done intelligently or rather than just cynically. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, they could be. I guess the, the, the part that all I always, I always take pot gives me pause is you look at what the, Basically, look at what the liberals want. Look at how they, their vision of the future for America, et cetera. 
it is absolutely clear that they want an America that every single conservative should not want. Right. Dan Crenshaw, what, how does Dan Crenshaw look at the, at liberals and say, if they win, that is going to be a good world for me and my children. There's no way he can do that. And the fact that all of these people actively cu cut down opposition to, to the left, allowing them victories proves to me that either they are absolutely insane that they add, that they have no concept of reality of pragmatism that they are operating in some crazy bubble of extremely poor decision making or it shows that they are actively aiding and abetting the left and, and i don't it's hard to know which one it is it's like if you were if you were dan crenshaw you're a navy seal you're an american patriot how do you look at what the left wants and go that's an american they represent american values they shouldn't they should be treated like regular americans and compromised with that doesn't make any sense do you would anyone who is an american patriot anyone who claims to value the united states and value american and and i guess value american values anyone who promotes that would have to look at the at the left because it, it's clear as day that it's like they want to deliver us into a future that is counter to all the American values that we hold sacred. And the idea that we're supposed to compromise with them is absolutely insane. Because like, what's the compromise? Um, well, you give up what it means to be America and then we play nice. It's like, well, no, there should be no compromise with any of these people. But people like Dan Crenshaw seem to operate as if they're not a threat, as if they're not the biggest threat. Well, and and the, that's the... what's so crazy to me. It's the same as with, it's the same as, this is my uh, criticism of people like Ben Shapiro, of Jordan Peterson. They will talk endlessly about America's being taken over by these Marxists, these socialists, these crazy race hustlers. America's being taken over by these people and they are destroying the rule of law. They're destroying freedom of speech. They want to get rid of guns. And then you go, my gosh, that sounds horrible. They need to be stopped. Uh, let's vote in somebody like Trump that will actually stop them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't do that. Don't group together and try to stop this. That's what the left does. That's what the left like wants you to do. It's like, wait, so we just let them win? Well, no, I mean, you complain about it the whole time, but yeah, you just let them win. <laughs> no, you complain the entire time. Like, it's the goal is for you to complain about it, not actually change course. Just let them get away with it, but complain about it the whole time. Because then well, you can look really nice to your donors and you can get keep getting invited to liberals' parties. Well, and, and I'm I, sorry, I, if you're going to tell me the country's under threat, if I'm going to look at these people trying to basically burn the Constitution in front of me, Playing nice is a is a ridiculous option that should not even be on the table. It's like right. I, oh, so so that's the question. Either the left isn't a threat and isn't pursuing all of these policies that are counter to American values, right? Or, in which case, we should play nice and business as usual, and it's all just you know, it's all gonna, it's all just gonna, they're gonna stop. It's a It'll fad. Work. They're, they're going to just drop it all in a couple years and just go back to being 
this good Americans like the rest of us. They're just, it's, it's all just a fed. Either that's true or they actually are a threat, in which case playing nice is a terrible, is a losing option. Right. Like, uh, is the left an existential threat to America, to liberty, to all the things we hold dear? I say yes. I think they absolutely are, which is why I am, and I am baffled that people supposedly on my side refuse to agree with me on that. I don't know where they're coming from. If you knew someone that said like, well, I mean, the left are just a bunch of cuckoo crazy birds and they're all just gonna, and people, and they're all just gonna stop. There is no indicator that that is true at all. The only indicator is that they are absolutely going to get more and more radical the more power that they get. The only I don't know thing... how, again, if you just look at the past, say, six years, that proves that that is the case, that there's no brakes on this train. And that's why I get so frustrated with people like Dan Crenshaw, with all of these neocons that seem to be, whose entire goal seems to be to tell us, don't pursue policies about retaking America. Don't pursue some reconquest of America. Don't try to stop these things. Just be content with sending money to foreign countries and being the world police. It's like, I'm sorry, we have problems at home. We have literally communist agitators in the street burning down buildings. Mm-hmm. I think that should be stopped. There's rampant homelessness. There's all these issues. And they go, well, don't focus on that because the only conclusions you're going to have are to change major American policies. And we, can want, we need to have all of our factories in China. Like, I, I don't understand. I, it just is strange to me that we even have to have this fight with people that are supposedly on our side that, that Bar- supposedly value the same things we value that's what's crazy to me it's like i i just don't really understand where they come from and i can only have so many conclusions you can draw either they're ignorant or they're actually malicious and i don't know really know which one barring wild conspiracies hmm. the only thing that i can come up with is that these people and like yeah like the whole list of them you know the shapiros dan crenshaw these other like neocon types think that i'll put it this way think that the left the left in power not the average leftist but the left in power they think that the left in power will see them as different from this other group of republicans and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the most ignorant views you could possibly have because, for example, one of the favorite things of the liberal media right now is to call any of the people that were holding up. Uh, well, not only not only was it that, you know, these 20, uh, 20 representatives held up the speaker vote, but now that McCarthy made concessions to become the speaker of the House, the new line from the liberal media is, the Republican Party had to give in to the insurrectionist wing. And now, you know, Kevin McCarthy's allowing the insurrectionist wing of the Republican Party to be able to dictate things like committees. And, you know, Paul Gosar, I think, is one of them. Paul Gosar is going to end up being on a, a committee investigating his own insurrection, like stuff like that. That's what the liberal media is saying. And it's almost like Dan Crenshaw thinks, well, they wouldn't say that about me. They're saying that about these other people. They wouldn't say it about me because I'm one of the good ones. 
And exactly. it's like, I, I, I almost wonder like, how are you this stupid? How do you not know that it's only a matter of time, dude? And then they're, they're going to come after you. Like, do you not think that you would get put in the gulag? Like, it's the weird, because oh, like, yeah. no, when they talk about that, they're talking about like those bad people that say dumb things, you know, like Matt Gates is just a rabble rouser, but like they wouldn't try to throw me in jail. And it's like, it, and I guess it, that that's what makes it feel crazy is who's correct. Is Dan Crenshaw correct that the Democrat party wouldn't take the opportunity to throw Dan Crenshaw in jail because the. Because truly the Democrats actually are only concerned about Republicans that they think are just really bad and they honestly think are extremists or is or or is the other option that the Democrat Party just wants the Republican Party to be toothless and crippled and they're using the label of extremism as a method to do that to the entire party. Which one is true? Because that's what's going yeah. to answer this question. And I'm led to believe, especially, you know, as we've covered for the last couple of years with January 6th, it's everybody. There are 60 year old grandmothers that they were trying to convince the American people were insurrectionists. So I don't know where, where Crenshaw and and Ilk get this idea that they're going to be safe. I don't, I don't know either. January 6th. It, we just the other day we had the three year anniversary of January sixth. Two, two year, yeah. That it was it. That event more than anything has influenced my politics hugely, especially in how I view the re- members of the Republican Party. There, it is ridiculous to me that anyone could look at January sixth and think it seriously think it was in attempt at any kind of coup or insurrection at the very worst you can say it was a riot but it was not what an insurrection by any means and everyone knows it including people like crenshaw including all of these republicans that say it was the worst thing ever they know that it was simply a bunch of their own voters angry at the election that were rabble roused into break storming the Capitol and wandering the halls and stealing a podium and wearing a stupid headdress. (laughs) They know that that's what that was. And yet they will call it an insurrection. That is, that to me was extremely illuminating. That showed, showed me that any of these Republicans that agrees with the left, that January 6th was super awful and evil has to either be the dumbest person alive <laughs> or actually subversive well and it's it, because it's so like think of it it's the, it's your own voters it's people that are an ally if you, even if they're not so it's, it's like these people are republican voters that are allies to you against the left that is trying to destroy the you know the constitution that they're trying to do all these bad things they want to twist america into this twisted parody of itself and the fact that a bunch of Republicans cut those people off at the knees, again, it's like, well, why would you do that? Either you are that ignorant and ridiculous. If either you're either, if that's the case, you're so out of touch that you have no business representing anyone, or you're actually malicious and playing for the other team. 
Well, they. And that's a, that, this is all again my question. Part, sorry for continuing to cut you off, but that's okay. How did people like Crenshaw? How did all of these anti-Trump Republicans? How did they look at the election and think this is legit? It's there was no way anyone thought that like thought the legit election was legit. They just went along with it because they didn't like Trump. But that betrays a very fascinating point because if I was a Republican. Even if I hated Trump and thought he was a very mean, bad man, I would look at the way the left manipulated the election and go, oh my gosh, even if I don't like Trump, there's no way we win any election, Trump or otherwise. I have to oppose this and maintain election integrity or else I never win another election again. Simply out of sheer desire for to stay in power, you, would have, you should have sided with Trump and the January 6th protesters. And they didn't. And I don't understand how you can have that calculus, how you can say, how you can look at the, the 2020 election, the clearly obvious indicators of fraud, and then go, no, they should just get away with it. And that's not going to impact me negatively in the future. Even, even if you didn't want to buy into the fraud, mm -hmm. there were constitutional violations. And all I ever hear from the Republican Party is how important and sacrosanct the Constitution is, apparently until it matters. All I ever yeah. hear, and I, I don't I don't want to go down this rabbit hole Certainly. because people are very well aware of my opinion on this. The, the amount that I hear the Republican Party say the Constitution is the most important thing and we must stand up and fight for the Constitution. And then I watch the Democrat Party v absolutely violate con like either a state constitution or the constitution of the United States and Democrat and Republicans go, well, them's the brakes. It makes me not give a shit about the constitution. Like, forgive me if I stop caring about what the constitution says when it does zero to protect me. Like, I yeah. don't care. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, just, just to make sure everyone's aware. Like, I... I am a huge fan of the Constitution. I am a constitutional conservative. But at this point, I don't give a damn about an old dusty document that doesn't do anything. Literally, nobody will defend it. The Republican Party will talk about it and act like it is baby Jesus itself until it matters. And when it matters, they just let it get trampled. And they're like, oh, well, gosh, geez, oh, this is why we need to win another election, folks. I'm tired of it. It's so dumb. If you're if you're not willing, look at look at how they treat twenty people who stand up for what their voters want. Look at how those people were treated. They yeah. were treated like garbage. They were called terrorists. Uh, like everything's operating almost like it's extortion. We're hearing um, people like shit heels like Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly basically. These people's careers are over. Their careers are over. That's what you get in the GOP for standing up for your own voters. Your careers are over, folks, because you didn't crown Kevin McCarthy king. Your careers are over because you listened to your constituents and didn't crown Kevin McCarthy king. That's apparently the GOP. Yeah. And the only way this would make some sense, and the only way I could understand it, is if the if what people were saying was, we need unity in the Republican Party to, to stop the left from destroying the country. That makes some sense. I could understand, and I could understand that. You know what the wild part is? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off yeah. on that, but no, no, go ahead. if that was what they were doing, 
And if they if they had a plan and if they were showing how they were doing it, like let's just say if they were acting like Ron DeSantis, he's the most popular governor among Republicans. He's one of the most popular candidates among Republicans right now. If you just did that, your approval ratings would be through the roof. How the hell do you not see that? But they're not yeah. doing that. That's that's what you're you're 100% right. But all they would need to oh, do yeah. is look and say, what's making DeSantis so popular among our voters? Oh, all of this. So there's something else that's a higher priority. And the only thing I can think of is it's K Street, which for those who don't know, K Street's where all the lobbying firms are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, it is, again, it just keeps being obvious that there is something at play with a bunch of Republicans beyond what they say they they're they're being dishonest somehow well yeah we watched justin amash who was a member of the house freedom caucus which was the um basically the arbiter of this challenge vote so back before you know he decided that trump was just too much and he had to leave the republican party because he's a pussy um justin amash was part of the house freedom caucus and what what actually made him upset about trump uh because it was years after trump was elected it was the fact that he was going to take away Justin Amash's personal Chinese business with tariffs. That was it. And so I have to assume that that's it for a lot of these people. Justin Amash did not take a principled stance. Justin Amash got pissed off and left the Republican Party because Donald Trump was threatening his ability to get cheap goods from China because it's built by slave labor. That's what Justin Amash cared about. It wasn't about you. It wasn't about his voters. It wasn't about America. It was about his personal fucking pocketbook. It was about him being able to get slave labor from China so he could sell goo gaws to the American people. That's that's uh, what Justin Amash yeah. gave a shit about. And he and he draped it in freedom, democracy and principles. I mean, I feel like that same thing applies to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of representatives, et cetera, I think a lot of them are playing the insider trading, make a billion million dollars game. And I think that that. I think they're. I think they are probably dirty and compromised, and that informs a lot of their political decision making. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's just this is not abnormal. We expect our politicians to be scummy. We expect them to be dishonest. Like this is none of this is a shock. Um, but at the same time, uh, one thing that I, I, I think is good when we talk about all, a lot of this different stuff is. Um, Kurt Schlichter, uh, who's a uh, retired colonel uh, from the United States Army and an author and also does a lot of uh, content creation and stuff and writes for Town Hall. Um, he's been on kind of a tear recently where he brings up like how he doesn't owe an allegiance to any politician. It should be the politicians that owe an allegiance to us. And I really like the point that he's making. I mean, it's kind of a duh point. But at the same time, like, yeah, like there's not enough people talking about that. Because during the speaker battle, I think that a lot of regular Americans, like when, you know, when you would see the posts on Facebook or whatever, you hear, you know, Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity be like, oh, my God, they just need to vote for Kevin McCarthy. Jeez, jeez, always. Um, I think a lot of people should or, or hopefully sat there and said, well, what's Kevin going to do for me? Because that's the real yeah. question. That's the question. Like That is the fundamental part of politics that Americans have basically been trained against by the elite. Mm. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, this is the reason why I get so pissed off about January 6th. 
you you can call it an insurrection all you want. You can call it a riot. Sure. You know what I saw? American voters demanding accountability from their elected representatives. And that was the scariest thing Washington, D.C. has ever seen. Yeah. Like, we know it wasn't that big of a deal. No police officers were killed, blah, blah, blah. And But the FBI is investigating it. It is priority number one for Washington, D.C. because a bunch of regular American citizens showed up and demanded accountability, and that scared the hell out of them. They don't want that. That is the one thing that they do not want. Oh, my God, we cannot have the filth of America coming here and demanding anything. This is why I kind of feel like the only way that you'd actually be concerned about that is if you knew you were doing things that people would actually would justifiably hate. Oh, God, they got a hold of Pelosi's files. They're going to know. They're going to know about the Tuesday night meeting where we all tell everyone what to, what to invest in. Yeah, but seriously, why would Republicans, why should Republicans feel any kind of concern? Say, look, you know, like, okay, Rep- January 6th. Republicans are storming the Capitol. If you were a Republican senator, you'd presumably be like, oh, cool, I'm going to go meet them. They're probably upset about all the same things I am. Just think, like, well, why why would you be upset with the uh, protesters if they're your constituents? Unless you knew that you're like, well, I know I'm screwing them over and they have every reason to hate me. So, yeah, I'm... I'm siding with the left on this one because I'm, we're all screwing these people over. <laughs> well, in, in, I mean, nothing was more disturbing over the last couple of weeks than, of course, you know, Nancy Pelosi's no longer, she, she's no longer the uh, uh, Speaker of the House, and she stepped aside in the leadership thing and gave it over to Hakeem Jeffries, who's, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be so entertaining as the uh, House Minority Leader because... The first thing he did, Kevin McCarthy gets elected and he goes up there and talks about QAnon and, you know, racism and all this other nonsense. So absolutely hilarious. So this guy's going to be great. He's he's going to be just like the rest of the squad um, as far as getting just, you know, here's the socialism of the left for, you know, the next couple of years. But they unveiled a portrait of Nancy Pelosi. And... Wow. One of the speeches given was former Republican Speaker of the House, John Boehner, and he's weeping about how great Nancy Pelosi is. Is there a single Republican in America that thinks that Nancy Pelosi should should earn the tears of a Republican member of Congress? Nancy Pelosi was... She she made sure to have a documentary crew follow her around on January 6th, likely because she planned on all of it going down because it was a fed op because she wants to be able to arrest you. John Boehner, if you were the House Minority Leader, you would be called an insurrectionist by Nancy Pelosi. But <laughs> she's so great. Holy shit. No wonder our country is so bad right now. No wonder our country is so divided when you have former Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner weeping over the retirement of Nancy Pelosi. We are not the same. Dude, we are not the same people. It is baffling. It's There's, it's shocking. It's, it's Okay, you know what the, this reminds me of? It reminds me of the times when I saw 
under especially happened this happened under trump i believe when it was george w bush getting together with barack obama and and bill clinton and all being buddy buddy together which made me go wait a minute it's like those guys had nothing but horrible things to say about you and behaved in ways that should make you furious and yet here you are sitting next to him, shaking hands, being all friendly. What gives? Now, I understand being cordial, but it was beyond cordial. And and yeah. people want to act like, wow, I mean, come on. No, that guy was literally called Hitler. He was called Hitler. In fact, like Clinton, like the, the whole the whole thing about George W. Bush was he stole an election. Ooh, supposedly yep. he stole the 20 you know the 2000 election and then he launched us into a war for profit these people said this stuff but right. you're all buddies fascinating absolutely yeah. fat and remember john mccain was a damn hero before he died because he stood up against trump except john mccain was also a nazi also a warmonger also a racist he was a huge racist because he was going up against black Jesus, Barack Obama. Right. So that shows you that it's all a lie. All the things they say are a lie, but we're supposed to believe when they say about Trump. Now Trump's really bad though. He's real bad. Just, just trust us that he's real bad. Like, are you shitting yeah. me right now? Like, that, that, that made, uh, that sort of pulled the wool uh, away from my eyes to be like, oh, okay. I mean, it was very obvious. It's anyone that didn't like Trump that was in government, well, or not in government. Just anyone. Well, I'm being totally honest. Anyone that didn't like Trump and didn't at least, anyone that didn't recognize Trump as useful, mm -hmm. even if they didn't like him as a person, I was very, I became very suspicious of because it showed that they either have a very terrible read on the current state of America or they were lying. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and or, or they're is, actually malicious. That I guess those are the three things. Either they're ignorant, they're liars, or they're malicious. It's like people on the right that didn't like that didn't recognize the utility of Donald Trump to do things like pursue the border, uh, you know, shut down the border, to bring back American jobs, to push back against the left wing domination of the United States. I know there's a plenty of people that looked at that and said. That is so valuable, and he seems like he can do that, that I am willing to hold my nose because I think he's, I don't like him as a person, but I think he's he's a useful as a president. I understood those people. I said, okay, you know what? You at least recognize the reality the country faces, recognize that Trump is someone that is counter to all the things that you hate, mm -hmm. and you're willing to look past his personal you know, personality, because the things that he is opposing is are also the things that you're opposing. And it's, you know, enemy, my enemy is my friend. I get those people. Those people I thought were at least honest. The people that said Trump is the worst thing ever and were on the right, I felt had to be lying to me. Right. Right. Well, and, and it's like, what? Like the left is less of a, the left is less of a threat than a guy who got a divorce. Like he's just so awful and bad. He may tweets all these mean things. 
The left is sterilizing children. They're yeah. mutilating children. Yeah. I don't... Oh, he said a mean tweet. The left is putting in rules that force racial like diversity in companies and demand that you have to look. The left is putting in rules that demand that your company has to meet certain racial diversity requirements or else they shut, they fine your company $100,000 a year. That is right. so much of a serious and realistic threat, more so than this guy has mean tweets. So either people were so ignorant on have no idea what the left was up to that the mean tweet seemed like an actual bad thing or they were just malicious liars. And I'm often well, tempted to just say yeah, it was probably the latter. But once again, it goes back to they were just told to be upset about that because when That's you, you apply true. a little bit I think bit a lot of, of people on the right, a lot of people on the right, I think were told you should be a, it, it is the right and proper thing that will make you popular to be to dislike Trump. And then they went, oh, goody, another a thing for me to do. <laughs> well, and what's 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 simply incredible, too, um, on, on that is, you know, some of the most notable never Trumpers. Where where do they end up? For those who don't know, David French just uh, got a new position. He's now a New York Times opinion writer. Oh, is the New York Times a conservative publication? Oh, certainly not. Oh, one of the most liberal publications. And they lie pretty much all the time. Huh. And what's what's amazing is even though David French has been over there kissing the ass of the blessings of liberty that are drag queen story hour and, you know, basically towing the liberal line on everything, he somehow finds a way to twist. It's so common that it's a meme for people to do the, quote, conservative case for an insert liberal thing here, because yeah. that's basically been. David French's shtick over the last like five years is him trying to convince conservatives to go along with liberal nonsense by claiming it's actually a conservative opinion. Um, so like everyone's known that this dude's compromised, right? Right. Hilariously, David French gets uh, put on the New York Times opinion page and there's already people at the New York Times upset about it because he's still a conservative. And it's like, oh, poor David, you still didn't impress your friends. They're still not going to invite you to the party. They still yeah. think you're a racist, misogynist, homophobe. <laughs> but in, in a shock to literally nobody, now that the new Congress has been sworn in, Adam Kinzinger, crying Adam Kinzinger, has now been given the position as a political analyst at CNN. Oh, wow. In a good, shock good to zero people. The only debate that we ever had on this program was whether it would be MSNBC or CNN. And that is like, yeah. it, it, it's just, of course you did. Of course you now have that position. What a loser. I mean, like, how detached from Republican voters, from your own voter base, like, I'm not going to say Republican voters, your own voter base, how detached from your own voter base must you be? To be so dumb as to suddenly like what is what is Adam Kinzinger's plan here? He's going to be a political analyst at CNN. Is is he going to provide his conservative uh, rebuttal to all the liberal nonsense that's being spewed from CNN anchors, or is he going to be the one quote Republican that is going to agree with everything the liberal panel on CNN is saying, so people can say even good. Rep 
Republicans think this too. Which one's it going to be? What do you, what do you think, Alan? What what's your bet? Uh, I bet it is the latter. Absolutely amazing. The the best part is, is after all the ass kissing that Kinzinger did to the Democrats with the January 6th committee and being super anti-Trump, they gerrymandered him out of his district. It's not that he, he didn't lose an election, folks. Adam Kinzinger was from Illinois, which is a very liberal state. And when they redrew the line of the census, they got rid of his district. He didn't even have the chance to run for re-election. Well, he could have run for re-election in the district that became his, but he would have lost to the Democrat. They gerrymandered him out of a job, and he's still like, wow, geez, I'm just going to shill for these guys. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know about you, (laughs) but that makes him look like he was It was when, I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but when we saw the announcement that Adam Kinzinger became a political contributor to CNN, it was like, okay, now I know for a fact that I wasn't wrong and that this dude was owned by the Democrats. They either have something on him or they've promised him some amount of money to absolutely go along with the with the Democrat liberal narrative. And this guy was a Republican. Yeah. How many crazy? Republicans like him exist in the party? Because we don't want them. We don't want Liz Cheney's. We don't want Adam Kinzinger's. Those people will literally trample over the American people to get a pat on the head from the liberal elite. Yeah. Yes. They, And that's how it's viewed. Whether you think that, that is true or not in Washington, D.C., If you're an elected representative, whether you think that's true or not, it is how the American people view it. And the American people are the ones who are supposed to have power in this country. So figure it out, guys. Exactly. But coming back to this whole stalling the Kevin McCarthy vote, I think that thinking about everything we've just talked about, I think that's why I view it as such a positive event is that this is one of this is potentially the indicator that there is going to be serious pushback now and in the future against traitorous neocons and the left. And that's, I think that's a really good thing. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, the GOP in and of itself is having its own battle for the, uh, for the chair. There's yeah. the battle between Harmeet Dillon and uh, Rana Romney Romney. McDaniel. Oh, I don't actually know when that's supposed to occur. Um, but it certainly was kismet that when, when Harmeet Dillon, uh, came out and announced that she was going to run against Ronna Romney McDaniel. And all of the sudden we happen to see that a lot of the money that you folks donated to the Republican party to try to make sure that they would win in 2022 was actually spent on Broadway shows and limousines and private airfare and, you know, drunken, you know, forays in foreign countries. Yeah. Yeah. Like good. Good, because I bet Ronna Romney McDaniel was a big fan of, I don't know, well, it seems to be the McGOP, right? It's McDaniel, <laughs> McCarthy, um, uh, McConnell. That That is kind of funny. Um, it's, it is, isn't it? Like, I, I, I don't hold any ill will toward the Irish, 
but it is hilarious that oh, people can literally definitely. say Mick GOP point to the leadership and say, these people all suck. It is kind of funny. That's hilarious. But now granted, Rana, like, like to, to be fair, McDaniel is her married name because her, her maiden name is Romney because it's the niece of mm. Mitt Romney. So let's not be shocked that she sucks. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, Mitt Romney, uh, yeah. the loser, <laughs> the guy who lost to Obama when he had the lowest approval ratings of, I think, any president heading into an election. That might be true. Like, the dude's a loser. And then he ends up having to run. He ends up running for Senate. Remember, he was the governor of Massachusetts. So think about that. But he's a senator from Utah. Like, yeah, it's one of those fundamental things that annoys the crap out of me because, you know, part of being a Republican is like you're supposed to be a very big fan of state sovereignty and a very big fan of states rights. But when these people just move where the hell ever and just like, I'm going to be a senator from Utah because Mormons will vote for me because I'm a Mormon. Yeah, you're a piece of trash, dude. I don't trust you at all. Like the yeah, fact that I, that's it's how one of those I don't trust you. And I'm shocked that other people do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that it worked that way. Now, granted, I think everybody that runs for politics in, in Utah has to be Mormon or else you're not going to get the Salt Lake vote. Um, no, that's probably true. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a thing, right? Like, yeah, you're you're going to have to be Mormon here or else it's just not going to work out. Um, sure, whatever. I mean, I get it. It's a huge It's a huge voting block there. I understand it. But, like, you couldn't run in Massachusetts where you were the governor. Why not? Because you'd have to go up against Elizabeth Warren. Fascinating. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd have to, it just is, it's shocking. It's dumb. But hopefully this is, I, I get the sense that a lot of Americans are rapidly recognizing a lot of this for what it is. And that oh, is very positive. I don't know where anyone thought I, I don't know where the opinion came from that the speaker battle was a bad thing because it certainly wasn't from Republican voters. Okay. Republican voters were they were arguing about it. They were debating it. But I didn't see anybody who was like, this is terrible. I saw pundits say it. I saw Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and people like that say it. But I didn't see it. That wasn't natural. That had to have been the consultant class in D.C. That had to have been lobbyists. Who the hell knows? I don't know who I don't know who this was bad for, except for Kevin McCarthy. And why do I give a damn if something's bad for him? Exactly. I mean, and even and, then, and, I think I think it was a very I think it was a net positive all the way around. It makes the Republican Party look dynamic. I don't know why you're so stupid as to think otherwise. Why would you not use this? This is the part that actually bothers me. Why wouldn't you use this as a sell point? Like, oh, this speaker battle is dragging on. Well, yeah, we have a very dynamic voter base that has a lot of needs that need to be addressed. We are the party of America, and America has varying different opinions, and our representatives are strongly encouraged to ensure that they properly represent 
their voter base. And that is what is happening right now. I'm sure we will make it through this speaker battle and ensure that the maximum amount of representation of our diverse and dynamic voter base is properly represented before we pick a speaker of the house, as opposed to our opponents across the aisle who act like a bunch of cultists and vote for whomever is crowned. Yeah. Did you hear that, DC lobbyists? You can cash a million-dollar check for that line. But instead, it was, this is embarrassing. Oh, Lordy McGordy. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, my God. It's so, it's just, it's so gross. Yeah. And I, again, I, I think nobody truly believes that. No. I think it was, it was a way for idiot to virtue signal. And it was a way for, I mean, it's just the whole thing, I think, was just very, very silly. Yeah, the only person it was embarrassing for was Kevin McCarthy. And oh, no, I don't want Kevin McCarthy to be embarrassed. That would just be so terrible for someone, I guess, maybe. Yeah, and even then, I don't think it was embarrassing for Kevin McCarthy. I think it was just the whole thing was this is a normal political fight that is good that it is happening because it is forcing the neocon wing of the Republican Party to acknowledge the needs, desires, and and viability of the America first wing of the, of the Republican party. And that's a very good fight to have. Yeah. Yeah. They need to figure it out. Like it's just, yeah, you, you have to compromise. Oh no. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what was, what was really neat was how many Europeans kind of like checked into it and like mm-hmm. would see what was going on. And they're like, yeah, this is like really normal in what we do. So I don't understand what the big deal is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forming coalition governments. But yeah, like I said, we will see what comes out of it. Um, you know, I was glad to see the battle. I think it was a good thing. Um, I, I obviously strongly encourage it all the time. Um, I think it makes everything better. I, I think that people being able to put their foot down and demand certain, you know, certain things be done. Cause I mean, a lot of DC is broken. A lot of Congress has the lowest approval ratings of any organization in the United States. So you can't pretend like the American people aren't pissed off at you. Maybe this would make it better. Did you ever think about that? But Maybe. at the end of the day, we're going to have to see how, how they react. Like, yeah, McCarthy got picked as speaker. And I don't think that there was really any question I mean, it would have been it would have been an insane occurrence to see someone else be able to get enough votes. But it was nice to watch them squirm. It was nice to watch them have to concede. Because that's what needs to happen. So much power has been taken, one, out of Congress to basically give, um, you know, the dementia patient in the White House, you know, carte blanche to mumble his way into policy. Um, But at the same time, it's like, Yeah, the representatives of the American people need to have the most say in this country to the point that I I I don't know why there isn't a fervent push to take away the direct vote for Senate and move it back to being the state house, the state legislatures that choose senators, because that would be the maximum representation of the American people. Not some dumb popular vote where the cities can choose your senator. It needs to be that your representatives in an equal vote across the state choose who represents the United States Senate. That's how it was originally designed. 
And then they passed an amendment to make it to where senators were chosen by popular vote too. And how's that working out for everybody? Uh, it's working out real well for the senators. <laughs> yeah, it's working great for them. It, it's working great for them because, you know, it, what's amazing about that is what's one of the most popular um, pushes by the American people? Term limits. Yeah, That should kind of be a sign that you're not doing a good job that now, of course, what we're asking for is, hey, could the United States Senate vote on uh, limiting themselves in terms? And they go, yeah, we're not going to take that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang <laughs> like, it. <laughs> darn. Uh, are you guys going to vote on your race? Yes, we're going to vote on our own salaries. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But that that's that's what's impressive about it is the American, like, the American people want term limits for the Senate. And that's, that's impressive. That suggests that you're not doing so well. So people really need to kind of push back and be like, what if the state legislatures chose senators again? At, like I said, as was originally intended, the state got to choose the, uh, the, uh, their representative in Washington. So the people would choose the House, the state would choose the Senate, and that gave the state and the people in the states the most power. But they uh, that keep trying to would be a very different way to run the country. And I would be curious how that would actually go. Well, and, and I mean, this will basically be the kind of the final thought on the program here is like, there's a reason why the left wants to push so hard into making everything a direct democracy. They want it to be mob rule. They, they, if they could get their way right now, there would be five cities in the United States that would decide the fate of the entire country. Right. They have, they, they have want. no, that's the, the thing about the left that you have to recognize. They have no qualms about doing any of that. If they, if they are purely based on how do we win and win by any means necessary. Right. Right. No. And that's, that's exactly it is yeah. They it's how do we win and how do we maintain absolute power? Absolutely. That's, that's what they want. And they don't care what it takes to get it. And they're just going to convince a bunch of idiots to go along with it because of, well, it'll just be so nice. It'll just be so now we're just going to have this great, wonderful, like liberal utopia. Just please, please, will you take my rights away so we can have this beautiful liberal utopia that I was told about on Comedy Central? Yeah, <laughs> that's why I think a lot of liberals don't really understand the world that they're advocating for. No, dear God, of course they don't. They would be they would be horrified, but instead they're just constantly told how, you know, really it's uh it's the insurrectionists that are just trying to trying to kill and hurt minorities. That's really what's yeah. happening. But that's gonna have to be it for our first show back uh for the new year. But be sure to obviously go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio to help become a sponsor of this program. Um, it's only $2.99 a month, and we would very much appreciate it from you. Um, you can also obviously check us out on Twitter, check us out on Facebook, and follow us anywhere you want. And join our Discord so you can get the best chat and the best talk with our wonderful audience over there. But I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week, Sunday, noon, Oh,